If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. These three young men made an impact on a lot of people's lives. What we're learning about three young hockey players killed in an overnight car crash in Surrey. Plus. So I went check. She's not breathing anymore, so we called the police right away. We hear from the friend of a woman found dead at this BC farm after a possible bear attack. And what those who are unvaccinated won't be able to do in BC. The leaked information ahead of a looming announcement. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with a triple tragedy in Surrey this weekend. Three teenage boys were all killed early this morning when a car went off the road and slammed into a tree. Emily Lazatin has our top story tonight. It's indescribable. It's just three amazing, amazing people who had in insanely bright futures ahead of them. It's just, you can't even put the pain into words. They came together as friends and for the love of hockey. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, the news this morning, those three parents got uh, uh, for their, 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 their kids and uh, my heart just breaks. There, there really are no words. Family and friends have confirmed to Global News that a Saturday morning crash has claimed the lives of 16-year-old Ronan Sharma. He played for the Langley Rivermen. 16-year-old Caleb Reimer and 17-year-old Parker Magnuson were players with the Delta Hockey Academy. Um, you know, Parker, for example, was just in one of our camps not too long ago, uh, trying out for, for us and, and other camps as well. So it, 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 it pulls your heart a lot more knowing just how young these guys were, uh, the future they had in front of them. Surrey RCMP are still investigating the cause of this horrific accident. There is no doubt that the community will feel a great loss um, with these three lives that were taken far too young. It happened just after 2.45 a.m. when a single vehicle crashed into a tree on 104 Avenue near 160th Street. Surrey RCMP say support services are being offered to the families of the boys and arrangements are being made for the community. A hockey community is now in mourning. It's just everyone has to be strong together and um, keep their memory alive. Emily Lazatin, Global News. We are learning more tonight about a shocking and tragic discovery on a Pitt Meadows blueberry farm. A woman's body was found on the property last weekend in a death that officials are trying to determine was the result of an animal attack. Julia Foy has that story. She's lying right down there, not far away. A simple bouquet lies near the spot where a woman died on the morning of August 15th. She'd been visiting John Dong's blueberry farm in Pitt Meadows when another visitor noticed her lying on the ground. So I went check. She's not breathing anymore, so we called the police right away. Emergency crews descended on the farm and the integrated homicide investigation team was called in. But on Friday, the BC Conservation Officer Service urged the public to take precautions as they investigate the possibility of an animal attack, which may involve a black bear. We've been here for six years. We've never seen bear in our film at all. But 
According to the officer in the backyard, they say they find lots of the uh, bears uh, dropping in the field. Animal rights advocates are concerned that any bear in the area will be trapped and killed. It's a suspected bear attack, not an actual attack. Let's wait until the report is in. And as I came up, she was standing there and she just looked at me and then just ambled down the aisle of the blueberries there. One neighbor said she's seen a bear three or four times this year, but is never concerned. She hasn't caused any issues. That's why it's kind of upsetting to me with all the game wardens around hunting for her. Dong told Global News that his friend did have scratches on her arms and legs, but nothing that looked like a fatal mauling. He says her family is wondering if she suffered a health event. Maybe she got scared by the uh, bear and passed away right away. For now, the Conservation Officer Service still has bear traps at the site, while the Coroner Service tries to determine what caused the woman's death. The whole family was such a nice family. So I really feel sorry for the families for their lost. Julia Foy, Global News. We are set to find out on Monday details of the province's vaccine passport plan. But our Richard Zussman, who's joining us now from Victoria, has gotten some leaked information about what will be announced then. So Richard, what have you learned? Nitu, we know that organizations and interest groups have been briefed on what is happening on Monday. And we understand that the province will be moving towards a vaccine certificate program, something a lot of people have been waiting for. So we have a few details. So let's have a look at what we are going to expect for Monday. So we know that this will mean that for people to access non-essential services in this province, they will be required to be fully immunized. That will include movie theaters, sporting events, potentially include restaurants as well. It does not include hospitals and schools. The date of activation we will find out on Monday, but the province is expected to give time to people to get fully immunized. And here is the big reason why. We know that cases are rising. We also know there are a lot of people who are still not immunized. These are the vaccination rates for adults, those 18 plus fully vaccinated in this province, 75.5%, one dose, 83.8%. The province knows with the Delta variant in our communities, those numbers need to go up. And we'll get all the details on exactly how this is going to work, how people will prove they are fully immunized, and how businesses are expected to implement it on Monday when Premier John Horgan makes the announcement alongside Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry. There will be a lot of eyes and ears on that announcement for sure. Thanks for that preview. Again, our Richard Zussman in Victoria tonight. A Vancouver Island business, which operates three popular pubs and a wine bar, says it will require all staff to be fully vaccinated. Victoria Pub Company owns the Barden Banker and Irish Times pubs on Government Street and the Penny Farthing Pub and Vis-a-Vis Wine Bar in Oak Bay. In a Facebook post Friday, the business's management said everyone employed at its four establishments is expected to be fully vaccinated at the earliest opportunity. It will accommodate employees who are able to demonstrate a genuine need for accommodation. The latest information on the vaccination status of COVID-19 cases in B.C. shows only 6% were among those fully vaccinated. But the data was from a period ending in July. Now, as Kristen Robinson reports, B.C. doctors are applauding the province's move to up the ante in providing case data. 
At this point, B.C. is behind all the other provinces. But starting Monday, Health Minister Adrian Dix promises the province will take a shot at releasing regular updates on new COVID cases. Who is being infected with COVID-19 and their vaccination status. Ontario offers daily case and hospitalization data by vaccination status. Doctors say doing the same in B.C. could help family physicians combat vaccine hesitancy and address misinformation circulating from the lack of data. I've sometimes seen, you know, online, some members of the public wondering, you know, is, is something being hidden here? I know that, uh, that they're not hiding anything. In fact, the vaccines really do work. For those who are uncertain or who are still on the fence, these sorts of numbers could be the one push that they need to, to get vaccinated. Unvaccinated folks are driving this wave. The latest data from June and July shows the majority of those hospitalized and dying in our province are unvaccinated. Dr. Kevin McLeod, who works in the COVID ward at Lions Gate, tweeted that at one point earlier this month in BC, every single patient in the ICU was unvaccinated. It would be nice if we could come out and say, hey, you know, X number of people are in the ICU, Y number of people have had no shots at all, and Z number of people have had one shot, but they only had it like a week ago. That would be nice to help drive home the point that you need to get vaccinated straight away. How many ICU cases are fully unvaccinated with zero doses is unclear. In BC, unvaccinated is defined as no doses or under three weeks since the first dose. Hospitalization, intensive care treatment, or even death, uh, these are accruing largely to people that are unvaccinated. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Now to the wildfire fight across B.C. Currently, there are 248 active fires burning in the province. Three of them sparked in the last two days. In the Okanagan, crews were set to conduct backburns today to help battle the Mount Law wildfire in the West Kelowna backcountry. Evacuation orders for eight properties on Gates Road have been lifted, much to the relief of those residents. Darian Matassafung has more. We came in between our neighbours and us and... And it was starting to come down the hill, and it stopped and changed direction. So we're very, very thankful. A Glen Rosa couple is now back at home after being forced to flee last weekend when the Mount Law wildfire flared. This is the first time the Jansons have seen how close the fire came to their home. It burned onto their property, but not reached the house. The couple says that's thanks to the firefighters. I mean, you're in shock. Oh, we're very fortunate to be here today and, uh, yeah. and uh, to see that it's still standing. The West Kelowna Fire Department has reported many instances where crews were fighting fires right in people's backyards. Structural protection work is ongoing in the area. Uh, you know, we continue to see uh, some very small hotspots, uh, you know, around homes, and, and that is really what we're focused on today in order to put them out and get the people that are still evacuated home. The Mount Law wildfire is still burning out of control and is approximately 800 hectares. The BC Wildfire Service had scheduled planned ignitions for Friday night, but they were postponed due to weather conditions. Those planned ignitions have now begun and will continue for the next few days. Planned ignitions are underway on the south end of Preston and Carr Roads in West Kelowna. The area is under an evacuation order, but crews, flames and smoke will be highly visible. 
These planned ignitions are being managed by crews on the ground and will burn into the wildland. Darian Matasafung, Global News, West Kelowna. Favorable weather conditions are helping crews tackling the Mount Hayes fire on Vancouver Island. That fire burning just outside of Ladysmith remains out of control. But the B.C. Wildfire Service says the change in weather is helping crews fighting the blaze from the ground and above. The fire hasn't grown much since yesterday morning and remains at about 70 hectares. An evacuation alert has been issued for residents of 20 properties in the North Oyster area. And an order has also been issued for the Bush Creek Fish Hatchery. A small crowd of climate change activists demonstrated and blocked a road in downtown Vancouver this afternoon. Stop the pipeline! Dozens of members of Extinction Rebellion were set to march from Robson Square and occupy both the Georgia Viaduct and the Canby Bridge. The protest is meant to highlight the findings of a recent UN report into the climate change crisis around the globe, with emphasis on the concerns about the impact of old-growth logging in B.C. forests. The demonstrators ended up marching to the Canby and West Georgia intersection. The VPD says they asked the group to disperse. Most did, except for three men, one woman and a 15-year-old boy. The four were arrested for mischief for blocking the roadway. They've since been released from jail after agreeing to appear in court at a later date. Surrey RCMP are investigating a shooting in Newton that sent one man to hospital. Police responded to reports of shots fired around 5.40 p.m. outside the Newton Library in the 137,000 block of 70th Avenue. Officers located a man who was seriously injured. He was transported to hospital and is now in stable condition. Two individuals were taken into custody. One person has since been released and no charges have been laid. Police are calling this a targeted incident, saying the parties did know each other. They say it's not related to the ongoing Lower Mainland gang conflict. Anyone with information or dash cam video is asked to contact RCMP. A 48-year-old man is in custody after allegedly ramming into a Vancouver police vehicle. VPD says officers were attempting to stop a prohibited driver last night when the driver allegedly drove his vehicle into a police cruiser near Oak Street and Broadway. He's then accused of assaulting an officer, at which point several other officers responded to prevent the driver from fleeing. Police say the suspect refused to exit his vehicle. Officers ended up breaking a car window and deployed a taser as well as pepper spray in order to arrest him. Charges are pending and the VPD says no one was significantly hurt. And coming up, the fair at the PE is back amid the pandemic. This is our first time at the PE. Yeah. The fan favorites going ahead in a scaled back version of the summer tradition. Plus, I missed live music for sure. Missed it a lot. How a free concert series is returning to the central Okanagan even amid the region's new COVID 19 restrictions. There is relief this weekend that an annual BC summer tradition was able to return this year after being hampered last August by the pandemic. The fair at the PE opened to reduce capacity and stepped up constraints today. But as Amadagahi reports, no one was complaining. What are you most excited about? The car ride from Pemberton was long, but worth it to be first in line. Yeah, this is our first time at PE. Can't go down you know, to any other sort of big thing. So it's nice to have a big thing open around here. 
about an hour and a half after the gates opened to British Columbians on the first day of the 2021 fair at the PNE. It was a sight we hadn't seen in 526 days. Absolutely an incredible feeling. We are so grateful to the people of British Columbia who have been so supportive of the PNE. So much work has gone into today. So much heart and and hope has gone into today. In its 111th year, the summer fair is a third of its normal capacity. Tickets are sold in advance. Masks are recommended. There is sanitizer just about everywhere and everything has been moved outdoors. For the sake of these concessionaires, for all the jobs, for the economic impact and for this collective memory, we're hoping that people will bring a mask. We're really encouraging it. So far, yes, I feel very safe and, and we're doing good. After financial troubles threatened the future of the event and last year's limited showing, getting to this day was at some points in doubt. And while some things are noticeably different, the laughter, food, and the memories being made are familiar to many people here. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait here for three or four hours if I have to, just so my kids can get the experience. Yeah, because I used to come as a kid too. So. And I have mini donuts. Initially, some of the lineups for ride passes were long, but those eager to spend a day at the fair after all of this time didn't seem to have a problem waiting just a little bit longer. Emadagahi, Global News. A Victoria brewery is postponing its first ever doubleheader concert where attendees were required to be fully vaccinated. Phillips Brewing says the September 10th two-day doubleheader of bands and brew was conceived to be a celebration of a return to concerts in B.C. But on Friday, Phillips posted that it's become clear they will not be able to produce the event that they had planned and dreamed of. The concert will be moved to next summer out of an abundance of caution. Phillips, which had asked concert goers to provide proof of vaccination, says tickets will be refunded. People in the Interior Health region are now living with tightened COVID-19 restrictions. There are mask mandates once again and limits to both indoor and outdoor gatherings. But organizers of one summer mainstay in West Kelowna have decided the show must go on. Kimberly Davidson has more. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see. Music in the Park is continuing in West Kelowna, despite the stricter COVID-19 restrictions in place. Because outdoor gatherings are limited to 50 people for the time being, organizers have created extra shows for the Friday night events. And so we'll be doing one show at 5.30 and the second one at 7.30 um, with registrations open ahead for people as well as um, some extra space behind and beside the main area. Anyone who wants to enjoy a performance now has to pre-register by phone or email. Well, we had to sign up online and, um, yeah, we just filled out whatever it was and we got papers that were allowed to be in here, so. The new measures are keeping the free concerts alive for the summer, but reaction to the new protocols is mixed. We could be just a little more liberal, I think, and still be really safe, but I'll take this. But just the chance to get out in the community and listen to some music. The kids love coming to the park play days and having fun. Come on down to my As a summer plagued by wildfires, smoke and a pandemic winds up, there are still a couple more chances to take in an evening of free music, food trucks and play. 
there's two more so if you haven't been yet this year definitely check it out because it's a really great event those last two shows will be held on august 27th and september 3rd at west Kelowna's kinsman park kimberly davidson global news Coming up, candidates on the campaign trail. What the federal leaders are promising today from economic recovery to dealing with housing and humanitarian crises. Plus, the latest on the desperate wait to get out of Afghanistan and the warning from the U.S. Embassy. A quieter day on the campaign trail as Liberal Party leader Justin Trudeau took the day off. But the NDP and Conservative Party leaders continued to campaign. The Tories announcing support for Canadians with disabilities, while the New Democrats unveiled a plan to tackle the country's housing crisis. Miranda Anthistle has more. On Saturday, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh targeted vote-rich Toronto with a vow to address the housing crisis, impacting Canada's largest city and many others. We need to invest in building more homes that are within people's budgets. We need to provide rental supports, and that's why we're saying we will provide uh, rental supports up to $5,000 a year for families so that they can actually get through this difficult time. In addition, Singh says the NDP will close loopholes, tax the super wealthy, and implement a foreign buyer's tax of 20%. And from addressing a housing crisis to a humanitarian one, the situation in Afghanistan still top of mind as the election campaign rolls on. I support any initiative that we can take, any measures we can take, to help people who are trying to evacuate, people who are trying to leave the country because they're fleeing danger, they're fleeing a risk to their lives. And I think we also need to work with international allies, other countries. Meanwhile, the Tories' Erin O'Toole is in Edmonton, continuing on a swing through the West. Our system of federal and provincial benefits should not punish work and make people poorer for choosing to work. Announcing his party's plan to help Canadians living with disabilities, O'Toole says the Conservatives would provide an additional $80 million per year through the Enabling Accessibility Fund. And on top of that... Canada's recovery plan will double the disability supplement in the Canada Workers' Benefit from $713 to $1,500. We will reduce the number of hours required to qualify for the disability tax credit and the registered disability savings plan from 14 to 10 hours per week. O'Toole says these policies will help to make more Canadians eligible for support. When questioned about gaining ground on Trudeau, the leader of the Tories says his party's recovery plan for the entire country will be key to narrowing the gap. I want to make sure that we have an economic recovery in all sectors of our economy and all regions of our country because our country's become fractured under Mr. Trudeau in part because there's always an Ottawa knows best approach. I will respect provincial jurisdiction. O'Toole has been invited to participate in the leaders' debates on September 8th and 9th, along with the leaders of the Bloc Québécois, the Greens, the Liberals and the NDP. Maxime Bernier of the People's Party has not been invited. Miranda Anthesel, Global News. The U.S. Embassy Saturday issued a warning to Americans and Afghans the U.S. has promised to get out of Afghanistan to stay put as chaos and security threats continue outside of the airport. Jennifer Johnson reports. Chaotic scenes outside the Kabul airport as tens of thousands of Americans and Afghans remain trapped. Many so desperate they're breathing gunfire and climbing over razor wire fences to get inside. Stay there! Stay there! The U.S. Embassy is warning people not to come to the airport without approval from a U.S. government representative because of security threats, including from the so-called Islamic State. As you can see, 
This is a very complex and multi-step operation. Once inside the airport, thousands are boarding planes to escape the country as Taliban soldiers march through the streets of Kabul in full military gear. Heartbreaking for so many who hope for a better life in this country, including Gina Abawi, an Afghan-American from Virginia, who returned to her homeland six years ago to teach. It was a dream come true for me. I built a little house by the mountains and it was really cool. And it's the saddest day of my life right now. I just cannot imagine leaving, but unfortunately, it's time to go. U.S. President Joe Biden, who is getting daily briefings from his national security team, is pledging the military will get out any American who wants to leave Afghanistan. But Pentagon officials admit the window of opportunity is shrinking. We're fighting against both time and space. That's the race that we're in right now. And, um, and uh, we're, we're trying to do this as quickly and as, as safely as possible. More than 13,000 Americans and Afghans have been airlifted out this week. But tens of thousands remain in a country now under strict Taliban militant rule, fearing every day they stay here could be their last. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. To health matters now, where a Calgary woman is alive after dying due to COVID-19 complications. As Gil Tucker reports, doctors say it was a new medical device that brought her back to life. <laughs> it's a medical first for Canada, and some say a medical miracle. I woke up and couldn't get my breath. Brenda Crowell was suffering serious COVID complications. COVID is known to cause blood clots. I had a major blood clot in my lung. It actually caused her to die, and, and she had CPR in, in the emergency room for almost 30 minutes. But it's not working. Brenda's heart has stopped her organs failing. I was crying because this beautiful lady, and, you know, just there, we literally said our goodbyes to her. And then doctors take another approach using this device a smarter version of previous technology. Well, I like to think of it as basically being like a vacuum cleaner. It sucks out the blood clot. The blood flow is re-established and, and we get normal flow back into the lungs. This uh, saved her life. It's overwhelming to think that I was, I mean, technically dead for almost a half an hour and they brought me back. I'm really lucky to be here. Yeah. <laughs> The nurse, when I was leaving ICU, said they think of you as a medical miracle here. We are so thankful and so blessed to have her back with us. Now, three months later, Brenda's doing fine. I had a total body reset <laughs> since I've been since my Literally. since I'm only three months old now. <laughs> Call it a miracle or whatever you like, they'll take it. Gil Tucker, Global News. What an incredible story. All right, time for a break. But coming up next, the pandemic protocols at BC Place. It was a bit scary, to be honest, because it, we haven't done this in a long time. As the Vancouver Whitecaps play in front of home fans for the first time in more than 500 days. All right, check out some real-life Paw Patrol. The Edmonton Police Service is using advanced technology with its canine unit. Ah, good boy. Good boy. This is Evan, and he's equipped with one of two canine storm intruder cameras. The devices allow handlers to get a dog's eye view during building searches and other situations. It also allows the dog to search more freely because they're not on a leash. The camera also has infrared capabilities. And if we're dealing with some sort of break and enter, 
we're able to uh, hold a position of cover, gives us uh, an extra level of safety, uh, and, and we're able to insert our dogs to do that search uh, for any suspects inside. And that should be infrared capabilities. Constable Eastman says he has used the device to make a couple of arrests. Each kit costs nearly $30,000, and the harnesses come with body armor for the dogs. Incredible what technology can do, including this always gets me how we can predict the forecast so accurately all the time. You're always yeah, on the ball. We're always trying to do the best we can, but it is hard to predict the future. But this is what we do have, especially over the next 12 and 24 hours. We had a few breaks out there through the day today. A bit of instability is going to kick up as we get in towards this evening, but a beautiful shot. This overlooking English Bay. We're currently sitting at 20 degrees with a mainly cloudy sky and a southeasterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. Now there is an increase in cloud cover overnight a chance of showers it is going to cool off 14 overnight through the morning hours a few isolated showers and then a nice clearing will be on the way bright spots through the day tomorrow and some drier conditions with temperatures up to 19 degrees we do have some active weather this evening all areas in yellow severe thunderstorm watch warning right now though for areas near the peace and this is the reason why we've got a line of thunderstorms just working its way across that region the area of concern all areas in towards the peace and we're seeing lots of instability and lightning for areas near Prince George over the next uh, few hours. So a heads up through these areas. We could see intense downpours, very gusty winds, and the possibility of hail. The southern half also seeing a few thunderstorms near Princeton. Kelowna could get clipped by it through this evening. And we'll continue to see another unsettled day for tomorrow with the risk of thunderstorms once again. A significant amount of rain for the northeastern corners. The piece 40 and up to 60 millimeters tonight and continuing through the afternoon hours for tomorrow before it does start to ease off. Smoky skies bulletin, this still in effect. All areas in the Okanagan Valley impacted by the smoke still for the next 24 and 48 hours. And a quick snapshot of the smoke forecast for tomorrow. We've got more of a northwesterly wind for most areas across the interior, but we'll still see that smoke local for most areas. And we are looking at the potential for widespread smoke into the valley. Now, as we get in towards this evening, there's that increase in cloud cover on the future cast. Tomorrow morning, a few isolated showers. It clears out, but the instability for all areas in towards the interior it will be a big concern, especially lightning with the hot and dry conditions that we've had over the last little while. The northern half of the problem with the few, province with a few isolated showers. The heavy rain will ease off late in the day for the northeastern corners. Risk of thunderstorms for both the central and southern interior. Temperatures into the low 20s and along the south coast. So still more cloud cover in the morning hours. A cooler start, a few isolated showers. A clearing by the afternoon as we get in towards our Monday onwards into early next week. We are going to see some bright spots sunshine even on Tuesday pleasant up to 23. Nithu. Thanks Yvonne. For the second time this week BC Place is buzzing with fans in attendance as the Whitecaps finally have their season home opener in front of a crowd since the pandemic sent them south of the border. As Paul Johnson reports it couldn't come soon enough for Southsiders. Digging out the drums, banners and other artifacts of the superfan. This return to the pitch has been a long time coming. For me personally, that was devastating. Peter Zimmerman has ridden the ups and downs of the Whitecaps' fortunes for more than 20 years. Now as president of the Southsiders supporters group, the arrival of this great day is one he's not likely to forget soon. It was a bit scary, to be honest, because it, we haven't done this in a long time. BC saw the return of in-person attendance at big league sports with the recent BC Lions game against Edmonton. The strategically spaced out crowd and appearance of our top doctor and apparent fan left most with the impression that we can now do this again safely. 
give or take a few tweaks. We've been working diligently with Major League Soccer, our partners at BC Place, Vancouver Coastal Health, to implement a, a safe and secure environment and adding a bit of fun there as well in that priority. <laughs> the high state of anticipation seen in Zimmerman's pre-game rituals is a reminder of just how consequential the act of gathering in person for a sporting spectacle is, dating back at least to the time of the Roman Forum. Few things can substitute. It's a community. You get to be with friends. You get to be with like-minded people. Also being tested after a long hiatus will be Zimmerman's capacity for beer consumption. He and his fellow fans started working out the kinks at their home pub Saturday afternoon before the game. We'll check back tomorrow morning to see how that worked out. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Incredible contrast to other parts of the province where more COVID-19 restrictions are in place. Meanwhile, BC Place once again has fans. And beer drinking fans. Those guys, uh, you can tell there's some experience there. Absolutely. <laughs> they know their way around a pint or four or five. So it's going <laughs> be fun. Yeah, the, the fans obviously looking forward to it. The players and uh, the sporting director, Axel Schuster, he was hired in November of 2019 you know, to run the Whitecaps. He's seen his team play live in front of fans once at PC Place because of obviously the pandemic. So he's very excited. We'll have that story uh, coming up when we come back in sports. All right, looking forward to that. Also ahead, housing hundreds of firefighters. People are definitely getting tired, but it is nice having kind of everything in one place. An inside look at the camp in Vernon where those on the front lines of BC's wildfire fight rest between long shifts. Back to the B.C. wildfire fight, and for weeks, a racetrack in Vernon has been the home for nearly 400 people. As Yasmin Gandam reports, they're the firefighters and personnel on the front lines of the White Rock Lake wildfire. Um, so it's quite the show when they all come back off the line at the end of the day. Right. Um, we've, we have people stand outside on the road and cheer them on. And oh, nice. They turn their sirens on and wave to all the kids and stuff that come by, and it's a really nice little morale boost for everyone that's coming in. <laughs> This is what firefighters are now calling home. The camp at Kin Racetrack in Vernon is complete with washroom and shower trailers, laundry services, COVID-19 rapid testing, a food caterer, and a dining hall. Still, after a long day, firefighters are coming home to sleep in a tent. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's always pros and cons of being in camp. Um, it's tough to be away from, from family. Um, but I think for the most part, people are, are quite happy with the, the camp setup. We, uh, we have a pretty good setup here with all the amenities that people need. So, Residents in the area have been quite supportive, hanging signs and cheering for firefighters when they arrive from working on the front lines. Street says there are almost 500 people on site right now. So we have 244 wildland firefighters and 88 structure protection personnel. Um, but then we've also got like support staff, we have the medics, um, there's the danger tree assessors and fallers, um, all our sort of overhead staff as well. So yeah. getting pretty close to the 500. Approximately 400 tents scattered here behind me after a 14 to 16 hour long day fighting the fires raging in the interior. Firefighters come back here, hoping to have a good night's sleep in one of these tents. 
The camp is expected to last until the fire dies down, which street estimates will be at least for the next couple of weeks. Yasmin Gandam, Global News, in Vernon. Still ahead, the first murder hornet nest of the year. The new footage and where it was found not far from B.C. Next. Don't miss the 111th annual Peony Fair. Enjoy the long-standing tradition at a reduced capacity with health and safety precautions in place. See all your favorite shows and attractions, including the Super Dogs, live music, rides, and more. Plus, all the fair food you can eat. Taiwan Fest Vancouver returns to downtown this Labor Day weekend with Rethink Asia, a dialogue of art forms between Taiwan and this year's feature country, South Korea. Enjoy stories, workshops, food, music, and more. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back with sports. And Barry, Thursday's BC Lions game was just the start of the return of live sports with fans at BC Place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully the uh, Whitecaps can give the uh, fans a little better show than the Lions did the other night. Thanks, Neithu. It has been a uh, long, almost torturous wait for the Whitecaps. But finally, after nearly 18 months, they will be playing in front of their own fans tonight at BC Place. Kickoff is at about 7.05 against LAFC. You can hear the game on AM 7.30. And the Whitecaps hope you hear hear a lot of noise and cheering too after a year and a half of silence. Axel Schuster's been in charge of the Whitecaps for nearly two years, but he's seen them play live in front of their own fans at BC Place exactly once. But that will change Saturday night when the Whitecaps welcome their supporters back with open arms. The last home game with fans was 29th of February in 2020. I cannot even think about it. I imagine what that will mean on Saturday. I think we will have goose bombs and it will be something special for us because uh, we are on the road since more than 30 games. Understandably, the Whitecaps are optimistic what a return home can mean for their playoff chances. Nine of their last 15 are at BC Place. They're a mere four points back of the last spot. And they're playing much better, especially since the arrival of Ryan Gauld, who set up both goals in Wednesday's 2-1 win at Austin. That's what we are also hoping from, from, from Ryan, to, to, to lead these young guys that we have on the pitch, the talent that we also have invested in. Um, to make them better, um, to, to, to guide them more through the game. Schuster came from the Bundesliga in Germany where budgets are high and patience is low. It is the opposite in MLS. The best teams establish a solid core, then add pieces, but it does take time. You have limitations uh, in doing things and you cannot correct them very fast because uh, you have to accept the cap model and uh, the contract model with the league. So it's not that you can change everything in one transfer period. And if you do something wrong, it probably takes you longer to correct it again. The Caps are intent on making the playoffs this year, and if they fall short, there will be changes. No excuses now that they're back on their home turf. But his promise to these loyal fans, get the White Caps to contender status as soon as possible. I will push every single day, and everybody knows this here, that we get faster to the success everyone is desperate for. And now it's a time where we can really start with that because now we are back and we have the fans, the support, and we can build here in, in, in Vancouver. 19. 
All right, CFL today. Argos playing their home opener against Winnipeg. Bombers off to a 2-0 start. Toronto jumped out 13-0, looking for more until Jackson Jeffcoat slaps the ball out of Nick Arbuckle's hands. Jesse Briggs scoops it up, takes it all the way back. An 83-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Bombers back in it. Down 13-7, but very late in the half, Argos extend the lead. Arbuckle going up top to Devaris Daniels. 35-yard touchdown, and the Argos win at 30-23. Both teams now 2-1 this season. Rough Riders and Red Blacks, Saskatchewan opening their season with four straight home games. 2-0 so far, late first. Matt Nichols going deep to R.J. Harris, who makes a fantastic diving grab. Laying flat out to haul that one in, 42 yards, led to an Ottawa field goal, but Saskatchewan led 9-3 at the half. Third quarter, finally a touchdown. Cody Fajardo, the former Lion, with the quarterback keeper, and the Riders lead it now 23-10. They are very late in the fourth quarter. Saskatchewan looks to go to 3-0. Blue Jays trying to snap out of their funk. Six losses in their past seven, taking on the Tigers. Randall Gritchuk with a two-run homer to get the Jays on the board in the second. That's his uh, 22nd home run of the season. Jays good at the long ball, that's for sure. Starting pitching has not been an issue. Hunjin Ru went seven shutout innings today, striking out five, but it's still close, still 2-0. Jays get some insurance. Marcus Semyon will swat his 30th homer of the year. Jays major league leading 186th home run of the season. The bullpen has been super shaky the last week, but uh, not Canadian closer Jordan Romano. Miguel Cabrera, the future Hall of Famer, looking for career homer number 500. Not today. Romano strikes out the side in the ninth. Jays win 3 nothing, and they move to within four and a half of the wild card. Quite a day in round three of the Northern Trust. First FedEx Cup playoff tournament from New Jersey. Canadian Corey Connors started the day 46th, nine shots off the lead, but he went seven under 29 on the front, including a hole-out eagle on a par four. By the time the camera crews caught up, he sunk a couple of birdies and then a great approach here on the 15th for another birdie. A career low nine under 62. Connors at 12 under was tied for the lead, but Aussie Cameron Smith was even better than Connors. Tee shot on the par three, 16th. And this one just keeps on rolling to within a foot, a tap in birdie, 10 under for the day. And then at 17, Smith will stuff another approach, this one to about four feet, and he would make his 11th birdie of the day to get to 16 under par. He had the lead at that point, but uh, John Rahm, the leader, hadn't even teed off yet. He has a chance at 18 to shoot a 59. 12-footer for birdie, not really close, but an 11-under-60 for Smith, a new course record. He's a co-leader through three rounds. Now it's John Ron. He joins him at the top, hits his approach close at 17 as well. But round four will not be played until Monday as they expect a huge tropical storm in the New York area tomorrow, dangerous high winds. So Sunday's a day off, and they'll hopefully play on Monday. Wet, cold, and windy at Carnoustie, standard summer fair in Scotland. Third round of the Women's British Open. Canada's Brooke Henderson is in the mix. She will curl in the birdie here. Got to eight under at one point, ends up at minus six. She is tied for eighth, just three out of the lead. Sweena's Anna Nordqvist had the round of the day, seven under 65. She's tied at the top at nine under with Denmark's Nana Kurtz-Madsen. But Brooke Henderson right there as well as she chases her second golf major. 
event. English Premiership, Manchester City and Norwich City. Uh, Man City lost its season opener and took out its frustration on Norwich today. It's uh, Jack Grealish making his Man City home debut. Bounced in off his knees. He'll take it. 2-0. And then Man City tacked on three more, including this thing of beauty. Two perfect passes. Raheem Sterling has an open net for the finish as Man City hammer Norwich City. 5-0 is the final. And Whitecaps just about ready to kick off. We'll have highlights and postgame tonight at 11. Hopefully talking about a Whitecap victory. Fingers crossed indeed. All right, thanks very much, Barry. We'll be right back with details and footage you might find a little frightening of the first nest of so-called murder hornets near B.C. Stay with us. Well, naturalists will be fascinated, but others might be disconcerted by these fresh images of so-called infamous murder hornets here in the Pacific Northwest. Brace yourself. The Washington State Department of Agriculture releasing this footage of a nest of Asian giant hornets after it was discovered on Thursday in a rural area east of Blaine. Officials say a resident reported seeing one of the hornets earlier this month. Crews then reportedly found the nest after they followed a hornet that was equipped with a tracking device. State entomologists will now develop a plan to eradicate the nest, likely next week. The five-centimeter-long invasive insects have been spotted in other parts of Washington State and the B.C. South Coast. They're native to Asia and pose a threat to honeybees and native hornet species. I just kept my eyes on so the They're two inches, they're yeah, five they're centimeters. Pretty, that's big. That is. That's, that's a big, big old bee. You can't miss it. <laughs> You'll see them. You'll know them when you see them. <laughs> All right, that's it for us, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Jordan Armstrong is off tonight. I'll be in for him, so I'll see you in a few hours.